Hello everybody, it's Melissa. I'm back and on today's episode I have a very special guest. It's my partner, my fiance, Gray. I've been wanting to have Gray on for a while now um, but we just haven't taken the time to sit down and record an episode together. I figured it would probably be kind of a long episode once we did do it because we had a lot to talk about. We talked a lot about our Um, life together just being a neurodivergent couple and we also answered some questions from you guys off of Instagram so I hope you enjoy this episode here it is hi babe hi hi (laughs) welcome thanks welcome to my closet I've been in here before yeah um so you're my first ever like in-person guest really yeah. I mean, I've only other had I've only ever had one other guest. Um and that was Megan. And she came on twice and it was over Zoom. So I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. So uh yeah, as per usual, I don't really um have a concrete plan as to what we're going to talk about, but So unlike you. It's very unlike me, right? Did you uh, plan it that way? I planned it that way. It This is planned unplannedness. Planned spontaneity. <laughs> I mean, that's how I usually record the podcast, is I'm like, I kind of know what I'm going to talk about, but then I don't really try to plan exactly what I'm going to say. But with you, I thought we could just talk about our... Um, neurodivergencies and our life together and how we sort of exist together day to day with our brains being what they are and I know there are a lot of neurodivergent couples so this might be an interesting little adventure adventure into this whole topic so okay Uh, I guess we could start by you telling a little bit about, (laughs) I'm going, it's a podcast, you're going to have to talk. Gray gets a little shy. It's very odd because you're, okay, so like in person, I feel like I'm more quiet than you usually. No, 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 that's not true. (laughs) I'm already talking this whole entire time and you haven't barely said anything because I am much more talkative than you. But I feel like you're a louder person than I am in person. You're more just like... At times. Yeah. Like, I have my moments. Yeah. But you absolutely hate to talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to make you do it. I mean, I just want you to sort of, like, tell about your ADHD diagnosis and kind of how that came to be and when that came to be and why that came to be. But you don't have to... That sound that made it sound like a lot. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it. Ready go. Ready go. I'm gonna <laughs> stop talking now. <laughs> well, I mean, a little bit about myself, just in general. I'm 34. I'm trans mask, non-binary, which is also something that came to be within the last couple of years. I mean, as far as really becoming aware of it mm-hmm. and taking steps to go about that path um as far as my adhd goes god so apparently 
I was tested when I was younger, but so my mom says, but I don't really remember any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said I was undiagnosed, you know, nothing came about as far as an ADHD diagnosis goes. Um, but over the last few years, and just in general, I feel like being with you, you kind of always had, would always say things like, God, you have ADHD or some shit like that. But anyways, <laughs> um, but I never really like took into account that I should go get tested or anything like that. And I finally did. And actually the first one I did remember was online mm-hmm. and they were like, oh yeah, you definitely have ADHD. But then it was, I don't know, I had to end up <clears throat> going the psychiatrist route anyways. Yeah, and... I don't remember what happened with that, but it was one of those ones where you just, like, phone or you, like, Zoom with a, mm-hmm. a provider, and they're supposed to, like, test you and give you your medication and all that. Right, and, then... and they're like, oh, yeah, you have it, but we're not licensed to give you medication. I was like, what? So that thing was just stupid. What is the point, then? Yeah, yeah. we paid, we paid <laughs> money for that, too. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous, but... Um, so I ended up going to a psychiatrist locally, someone you actually know, Mm -hmm. and I told them the whole spiel about the online stuff, and then she actually did some tests with me too, and was like, yeah, you definitely, you definitely have ADHD, and I had like 16 markers or something like that, and you only need like nine to be, to get a diagnosis. Um, and what really brought that about was I was having trouble in school, staying focused. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll go get tested and go about all of that. So I did, and I got diagnosed. Yeah. And I was 30, I think I was 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how long ago was that? I have time, I have no sense of time these past couple of years. Yeah. It was, like, towards the beginning of pandemic times. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> do we tell about... Danica's medication. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Danica our, also our had a diagnosis of ADHD, um, but she didn't like the Adderall that she was on. Yeah, no, it was, um, no, it was Concerta. the lo- a longer-acting one, Concerta, yeah. and we had put Danica um, on medication at one point and it I think I've mentioned this a little bit on the podcast before how um it autism and ADHD meds don't always like jive well for those who have both because uh it can really exacerbate your your autistic traits in like a not good way and that's kind of what happened with Danica so she took the Concerta for I mean not very long Mm -mm. we had we had a good amount of it left or maybe we had, like, a full refill of it left. Because I feel I like she so. took it for, like, a month, and then we got it refilled, and then I was just like, I don't really want to... We stopped giving it to her. So anyway, we had some. And I just took it. I looked at the dosage for my age and weight, and I just took it. And it was great. <laughs> it was great. Well, tell what was great about it. Like, what what exactly happened in your brain? Um. So I remember like sitting down and reading like 80 pages out of my my book that I needed to read and it was like one of the first times I was ever able to really do that just sit down and read and not get distracted yeah and actually feel like I retained a lot of it that was a big thing for me is retention 
it's just, I mean, I can read. Like, I don't have a problem reading. I don't have any, like, you know. But, like, there's a difference between your eyes seeing the words. Right. Or, like, your brain retaining the information. Yeah, so that was a big thing. So that was, that. I think that was before you got assessed. I feel, I feel like that was what made you be like, oh, okay. Like, I really yeah. probably do have this because it was really eye-opening for you and you just felt better and more focused on the medication. Right. Kind of. It kind of focused you, I think, in yeah. ways that you didn't think possible or probably didn't even, like, I feel like if you live your whole life a certain way, that's just, like, normal to you, mm-hmm. at least. Um, also, that's what Zane said, uh, my son, Zane, who's older, who takes ADHD medication now. He's like, I did not know how noisy my brain was because that's just how it always was. And then the medication just, like, quieted that all down and he was like wait what (laughs) how have I been living like that this whole time yeah this is how you live all the time yeah so um yeah I feel like with you the longer we were together and the more I kind of learned about ADHD the more I just started like spotting things Mm -hmm. in you that I was like oh yeah I think this is definitely a thing just yeah it's just very obvious with you to me because I live with you and so I like see how you are on the day-to-day and it's funny because I have ADHD too I mean I guess that's what the lady told me but I feel like you and I are very different Mm -hmm. in how our ADHD presents I I feel like maybe Okay, so one of the major differences between you and I is that you're a very more, like, spontaneous, impulsive person, Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely, definitely not. (laughs) I feel that, like, most of the time that works in our favor as a couple, because, well, also, you're very patient with my not being spontaneous or impulsive, because... I don't know if spontaneous is a good descriptor it's more like impulsive and decisive is a big thing yeah but you can do things spontaneously like how sometimes you're like veer off the plan well yeah or just like create a plan out of nowhere where we'll just be sitting there and you'll be like let's go see a movie and I'm like right now today (laughs) no you have to give me like 72 (laughs) I was gonna say 72 hours notice please and then I can see if we can make it happen on a day that I'm planning on it I need to like prepare but I like that you um you're you're tolerant of that because sometimes people have made me feel bad about my inability to be spontaneous. <laughs> but, um, oh my gosh, your stomach just grumbled so loud. Wait, you just ate. If anyone heard that, Gray's hungry. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the things about us that's a little bit opposite. What would you say is like the thing that okay hmm, how do I say this I I don't want (laughs) to I was gonna say like what's what's the thing that you feel is most incompatible between our neurodivergencies 
I'm put. I'm putting you on the spot. That's a big thing. You also know a lot more about autism and and even ADHD than I do. Like, you're a researcher. I just kind of okay. I have it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you have it. Okay, I have it. Like that is true. I definitely, yeah, I research the shit out of everything, to the point where I annoy myself. But, um, but you know, like we live together. Okay, so we talked about. Um, me being a planner and you being a a more spontaneous person. I feel like um, also sort of our um, communication styles are very different. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, Even like not just talking about like if we're having an argument or something like that, but just in like the day-to-day communication, which sometimes can lead to an argument because I am super detail-oriented when it comes to information. Yes. So, and you're not. No. You just don't need any information. It blows my mind. I'm like, don't you need to know details? Like when you were first getting started with Cal Fire and you talked to the lady on the phone who was like telling you about what was going to happen. And I had like 50 questions for you after you got off the phone and you didn't know the answers to any of them. And I'm like, what, you didn't ask this? And you were just like, nope, I'm, I'm just going to see you when I get there. And I'm like, see when you get there, <laughs> what? No. And I'm like, I need to know though. I need to know what the, what's happening with this because I don't know. I'm nosy and I'm your partner and I need information. Which is probably definitely going to be a struggle in this career choice because there's not a lot of information. Yeah, but sometimes I feel <laughs> like there might be information, but you just don't. It doesn't even cross your mind to ask certain questions. True. Until I'm like, did you ask about this? And you're like, oh, no, I didn't really think about that. And I'm like, well, uh... <laughs> So the detail-orientedness, but you're detail-oriented in other ways. Yes. Yeah, in different ways than I am, probably. Well, I don't know. We're both very organized people. I think there is a stereotype that ADHD people are generally disorganized, like in their physical environments, Mm -hmm. um, as far as like not being able to really like have the executive function to like keep their spaces clean and keep things organized and whatever um thankfully we're alike in that way where we both are really organized and like things a certain way who do you think is more so like that um probably you Probably you, unless we're talking about certain area. I, f- I feel like it depends on what area of the home <laughs> we're talking about. Because I cannot stand if there is a dish in the sink. True. Um, and that doesn't really bother you. Oh, you okay? Oh, I'm so sore. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, the dogs. They heard a noise. It's fine, it'll calm down. I don't edit this podcast at all. So there's um, been episodes where there's just the dogs barking for a minute and being <laughs> upset about probably nothing. They're being good dogs. They're guard dogs. They're very, very tough. Uh, so that's a good way that we are 
alike. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. And I don't ever feel like our pickiness about certain things gets in the way of, like, us getting along. Because I feel like we both just understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's ever been an issue. So, um... But I feel like having to... I've had to, like, learn some of those behaviors because I would lose things a lot. So I always put certain things, like, back in the exact same spot so I know that they'll always be there. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. So the disorganization for you, that's how it shows up, is you... I don't know if that's classified as disorganization, but you just leaving things if you just leave something somewhere random you will not remember or like as we've been going out and looking at houses so we've been going and looking at houses because you know we're house hunting and uh gray just consistently leaves their phone and their water bottle just i think you've only done it like three times but the one time you actually like left it left it and the realtor had to get it and we went had to go the next day and get your phone from her Um, I'm like, just leave it in your car. You don't need your phone inside. But yeah, so you've worked out ways for yourself over the years, which I think a lot of ADHD and autistic people can relate to because we've all sort of like formulated workarounds. I think the older you get, the better you get at um, sort of implementing different things into your life, whether it be like different tactics whether it be socially or in your environment or whatever to kind of you know you're this way so you have to count do things to counteract yeah yeah which can be um mentally exhausting at times Mm -hmm. but really nothing to be done about it (laughs) um so how did you feel about your adhd diagnosis um It was kind of a relief to know that there was a reason behind my life, honestly. Um, Things like never really being able to figure out what I want to do as far as a career and um, just stuff like that. And But part of me, too, was there was like a resentment kind of feeling that I felt like I probably could have been a lot further in my life in a way if I had had all of this information prior to now prior to prior to turning 30 so um yeah yeah happy I guess and resentful which are two completely different things but that's kind of the gist of it it's a mixed bag I relate to that and I think a lot of people listening would relate to that where it's like a relief but on top of it you look back and you're like well damn like well how would things have been different had I known this very important thing about myself and I want to sort of point out that you did get tested according to your mom when you were young and so did your brother and your brother got diagnosed and you did not as a young girl and so that is sort of telling us to and especially back then I mean because this must have been in like the early 90s I'm guessing um where it's like people weren't 
picking up on young girls with ADHD or autism. It was all boys, 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 and it still kind of is, but it's getting better. But that just sucks that you were like, there must have been a suspicion there. Right. You know, and yeah, I don't know. So, um, how did you feel about, or how do you feel, or how did you feel about my diagnosis? Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really have any feelings which way or the other about it. I mean, it wasn't like a weird thing or anything like that. It was like, okay, whatever. I'm a weird thing. And you were like, that makes sense. That's better. (laughs) Thank God you're weird. Um, we probably wouldn't be together if you weren't weird, so. True. (laughs) We're both very, we're very weird in very similar ways. If you're not neurodivergent would you have wanted to be with me probably not (laughs) um yeah that's an interesting question because I often think like I really feel like most of my past relationships were with neurotypical people the only uh there's one exception I don't want to say who I'll tell you after but I don't want to say who just because I feel weird about yeah talking about that person um but coincidentally that relationship with that person was like probably the best relationship besides this one that I've had and I suspect that person is neurodivergent but like I don't know how your past relationships have been but for me like the fact that we both have ADHD and I'm autistic and I don't know I've kind of suspected things about you but I don't know (laughs) um that it works and I can see how that makes it a little bit easier yeah and I feel like I never really like I had never done any like research or anything as far as autism goes but like I never like suspected that you were autistic or anything like that or what like you know what I mean like yeah yeah, I mean neither did I (laughs) (laughs) like there was never like huge things that like stood out to me as being strange or weird Mm -hmm. or off but maybe that's just because I'm also neurodivergent and we just work well together as a couple Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure no I think that's exactly I was like oh this person's great (laughs) yeah that's exactly what it is like we both have a lot of the same um traits and behaviors and whether you know it's related to ADHD or whether you have another unknown possible diagnosis that's floating around um it's it's funny it's the same thing that happens in families where like now that I know what I know I can look at my family and be like oh right like there is a lot of probably autistic people in my family. I feel like as far as my own diagnosis and being in relationships prior to you and I, like, I can definitely see how my diagnosis affected those relationships. Like, one of the big ones being, like, socially. Mm-hmm. And, like, just... <laughs> I I was very lost in those relationships just in my own life and figuring out like what I wanted to do and now knowing that that can be like a big thing with ADHD mm-hmm. like it definitely affected those relationships negatively because 
I didn't know. I didn't know how to help myself be better in those ways. Right. You know, because, yeah, as an ADHD person with ADHD, it's like, yeah, I was very lost as a young adult. Yeah. I still am, but now I know why. (laughs) (laughs) Now at least there's an answer. Now at least there's an answer. I mean, yeah, because getting a diagnosis doesn't necessarily, like, change who you are. You're not not just, like, automatically. Yeah, Yeah, there's no cure. There's no, like, oh, well, now I can, like, I mean, for ADHD, I guess you can take medicine for that now. I mean, some people do and some people don't, but that doesn't cure you. It's just, like, a tool to help, basically. Right. Not that it needs to be cured, but, Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely things that affect your life when you have autism or ADHD that if you don't have answers for yeah, or you don't just know about yourself, it can be a hindrance in your life. So that definitely affected my past relationships, like I said, especially socially. Yeah. I'm just so different and like I don't, <laughs> I don't like to go out and be social all the time. Like I used to like it as a young person, but at the same time, Did it was know? always <laughs> right. It was always exhausting, and it was fun, but was I really, really enjoying myself if I wasn't inebriated? Yeah, see, we both kind of <laughs> have the same past there, too, of, like, tr- I think more trying to be a person who liked to go out, because that was what because was you actually expected, liked it. <laughs> yeah. and, like, trying to, like... Uh, make ourselves a little bit more sociable by using alcohol or in my case drugs sometimes right um also in my case yeah not as much as you (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know i was a little more wild than you were but um yeah so you say that you never saw that in me before like you never suspected but now that i have the diagnosis and we know that do you notice things that you're like, oh yeah, or are you still just like, mm, like you just think I'm delightfully weird and um both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Like if like again like just there's explanations for things, certain types of behavior that is good to know as your partner. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Especially, like, when you're upset, I think is a big one. Mm. And knowing how to deal with that, with those situations. Yeah. By upset, I think we mean meltdown type of stuff. Right. Which Mm -hmm. I've definitely talked a lot about on the podcast, um, because that's a very big topic in my life and a lot of autistic people's lives is the, uh, the whole meltdown situation. Um... That's probably my most frustrating trait and the one that I would get rid of if I could. I feel like the rest of it I'm, like, fine with. The social stuff can be pretty hard sometimes, too. Um, but I'm so used to that, and I almost, I'm almost, like, glad that I am the way I am socially. Sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's because sometimes when you look at people who are social... I don't know if you do this, but I sometimes do. And I'm like, man, like, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could, like, have a bunch of friends and, like, be really social. But then when I really think about it, I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> but I don't know if that's just because I am who I am and I really don't want that. But so I don't know if I would change that. But I feel like the meltdowns are the one thing that I could be like, okay, I could 
really live without that right. aspect of this of this brain that I have. Right. I think one of the other things is you get overwhelmed pretty easily. Yeah. That's a big one too. Yeah. And you don't. So that's another way that we sort of complement each other. Um, I don't know how me getting overwhelmed would complement you per se, <laughs> but I do think that me worrying about stuff sometimes helps you out because there are sometimes things that just aren't on your radar that mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, like this needs to be a thing that we're like thinking about or looking at or worrying about. And you're like, oh yeah. So I don't know if that's relates to overwhelm, but I overwhelm myself by worrying about everything. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so people asked questions on the Instagram. Let me look in my phone. So I didn't, like I said, I sort of like briefly looked at these, but... How many are there? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. We'll see if we have time to answer all of them. I took a photo of them, but the photo's not showing up how I want it to. Okay, hang on. Let me go back to my... Instagram here. I'm unprepared. Uh, archive. There it is. Um, oh, wait. How do I see? Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Ooh, I'm going to have to just look at the picture. Oh, I can see all the words. I thought some of the words were blocked. Okay. Uh, so I didn't really like read these or like formulate any answers. I just sort of like glanced at them and saved them. So we're starting kind of both from zero <laughs> with knowing what to say here, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> she says as she looks stressed out. Okay. So um, the first question is what Okay, this is for you. What has Melissa's journey discovering her ASD taught you as someone who is also neurodivergent? Hmm. That's a hard one. A hard Sorry, one. I'm throwing a hard one at you. Um. What has I taught you? What I feel like there's been a lot of patience involved. I'm a pretty patient person as it is, but there's definitely been some things um that I've learned to that I've had to learn to be more patient specifically with you and your diagnosis you know like there were definitely some things in your personality I feel it came out of the woodwork after your diagnosis and it was more like of an acceptance kind of thing for you and that was I had to learn to be a little bit more patient with stuff like that um definitely with like the meltdowns and stuff um, not that I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't patient before, but there was definitely like kind of a learning curve with when all of that was happening. Yes. And just being like, okay, this is happening for a reason, not just like, you're not just quote unquote overreacting to something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to be insensitive, but yeah, 
like learning to be more patient with stuff like that I think was a big thing yeah and I think it's there have been more meltdowns well if you remember that's the reason I went to even like research anything like what might be going on and that's how I came Mm -hmm. into the whole autism suspicion anyway is because I was having a lot of meltdowns and a lot of difficulty managing my emotions over the past couple of years because everything's just been so stressful and um, I feel like for me there are points in my life where I've been a lot more able to manage and I feel like the first few years of our relationship was a lot less stressful and easier well I feel like too there was a lot of things about your personality with stuff like that like meltdowns and um anxiety and overwhelm that you were like trying to hide in our relationship the first couple years few years and then once you accepted all of this stuff about yourself it was like here here it is (laughs) here it all is which was you know a lot a lot of just stuff (laughs) so yeah trying like learning to be patient in that way was I feel like a big thing for me yeah so and you are for the most part yeah there's definitely times there's times that you really yeah (laughs) haven't been able to be but like I get it yeah I get it it's a lot and we it's just a thing that we have to work through yeah 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 so okay next question good answer (laughs) thanks uh is communication ever tricky for you because of being neurodivergent slash past trauma how do you navigate Ooh. answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) yes it is difficult Uh, I think we uh, mentioned earlier that we have very different communication styles, but then I went into like how I need more details, you need less details, but we don't really talk about communication in other aspects, like our, our communication styles and how it relates to past trauma too. I think that's neurodivergence and past trauma put together can like really mess everything up. Yeah, I think... I mean, there's times during just arguments specifically that, like, I won't talk for a long time. And I think a lot of that, A, is I do need a longer time to, like, formulate, like, my thoughts and feelings. And also, I went a long time in my life of just hiding and not communicating with, like, people in my life and people in my family specifically because I was really ashamed of, like, coming out as you know queer when I was younger and then now in my older life coming out as trans masculine non-binary like I hit a lot of that stuff and I think that just kind of translates over to the way that I do communicate it's like I don't present sometimes all the information or I'm just in my head a lot and I hold a lot back so Mm -hmm. there's that (laughs) and again that has to do with past traumas too Yes. It's it's traumatizing as a child not to fully be able to be just who you are and who mm-hmm. you know that you are, but 
having a feeling like if you do show that side of you or just those feelings in general, you're going to be abandoned or, you know, someone's going to be ashamed of you in your life. So I feel like that a lot of that stuff comes across now in my adult communication style. Yeah. So what yeah. about you? Um, well, yeah, I think you're very much a shutdown person and I'm very much a, um, like I want to work it out right now person. Mm -hmm. Like I want to talk about it. I want to communicate. I want to, you know, (laughs) from the very beginning until we fix it is you just want to keep talking about it. Yeah, (laughs) I do. Because to not makes me super anxious. I can't stand when there's stuff that is left unsaid. And maybe that has to do with my like need to know details, my need to sort of formulate a plan and work through it and whatever. But when there's like unfinished business, stuff that hasn't been said that I feel like needs to be said on both parts, Mm -hmm. like I want to hear your side. I want you to communicate with me. I want you to open up. I want you to talk to me. And like for me, I think from my past traumas when I fear what I don't know like Mm -hmm. if you're not talking to me I'm imagining what you're I have to imagine what you're thinking or what's going on in your head and I'm a catastrophizer so I'm always going to think the worst yeah so we (laughs) definitely uh, it's it's not it's not helpful that you're on that side of things and I'm on the other side of things. No, like, it makes it really hard. Yeah. It really does. We've definitely had some arguments that have been probably blown way out of proportion just because of our different communication styles. Yeah, and our mutual pasts yeah. and what we've dealt with in the past coming in and sort of influencing how we react to things. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I mean... I think we've now agreed that maybe seeking out a therapist would be good for to help facilitate some of these conversations. Um, mm. I definitely don't think that our relationship is in trouble by any means, but I don't necessarily think you should wait for your relationship to be in trouble to do couples therapy, especially the fact that we're both neurodivergent and we both have such... We both have a lot of stuff in our past. Yeah. I mean, everyone does. We all... Everyone does. But, like... I feel like we both have very specific things that sort of like interact with each other. (laughs) And because you are the person that you are, like you're very, you've done the work too. And you have, you're very fluent in communicating in those ways. And I'm just like, I need some time to like, (laughs) I need my space to like facilitate for myself, like space to think and, formulate and you know I just have a hard time with that stuff yeah no not allowed I need the answers now yeah (laughs) can't rest until it's yeah I mean definitely though I have tried to become more patient with just like letting you have your space if I can but like it's so hard and then I feel like sometimes when that happens then if it doesn't get sorted out in the moment it's just gonna get swept under the rug and never addressed and that's another fear of mine is just like stuff building up so yeah um I guess the answer to how we navigate is it's very much a work in progress Mm -hmm. we I feel like 
we are both very, maybe not always in the moment, but after the fact, I feel like we give each other a lot of grace and forgiveness and try and understand where each other is coming from, which is sometimes hard to do, but it's important to try and like... Yeah, well, I feel like because we're both so far on the side, like the spectrum, it's like, well, why can't you just do this? Or why can't you just do this kind uh -huh. of thing? Like, why can't you just see it how I see it? Or why can't I just see it how you see it? Blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And again, like you said, just giving each other grace that we just, we, I don't think the way that you think and you don't think the way that I think kind of thing. So. Yeah. Which is, again, hard in the moment sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but like after the fact when you're like, you're settled down and like everything's, better you can look back and be like okay like I can see that there was not a malicious intent behind how you were acting or the things right. you were saying like it was or they weren't saying in your case <laughs> mm. so I think also just looking at your partner as a imperfect human and being like okay like we're just two different people but we love each other and we're just trying to coexisting can, is hard for anyone mm -hmm. but I feel like we do a pretty good job at it. Okay. <laughs> Question three. Have you found that both being divergent makes living together easier? Okay. Well, I think we've sort of summarized that already. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think for the most part, yeah. Mm. Like, More so yes than no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, it's there's been relationships in the past where it just hasn't worked out because now looking back that we both have this diagnosis and we know how our brains work. Uh-huh. It makes yes. a lot yeah. more sense. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not that, not to say like that it was our faults that, right. that the relationship. I honestly think the biggest thing, and I can see this like a thing in the past with relationships that I've had. Um, I think the biggest thing that we've had a hard time with is mine and Danica's relationship because just because of who I am and honestly who she is like you and you've said this before like you would like to see us be closer but at the same time like we have like our own weird relationship because her and I are actually really a lot alike mm -hmm. in our communication styles like how we express feelings and all that stuff and like in my eyes I feel really close to Danica but it's just a different type of relationship than you have with Danica obviously yeah you know and I've only been around for almost six years but like it's just a different relationship you know yeah so I think honestly I think that's been one of the biggest things as far as like living together that's been a hard thing for you more so than me honestly yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a hard thing. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah, that has been a thing that I've brought up, though, in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, you and Danica are a lot alike in many ways. And Danica and I are a lot alike in many ways, mm -hmm. which makes sense because she's my daughter. But like, yeah. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to say. Sorry. No, that's okay. Oh, I got it back. <laughs> um before we started talking about Danica I said like that's not 
I didn't want anyone to misconstrue what I was saying as like, because we're neurodivergent, it was our fault that those past relationships didn't work out because right. maybe we were too like difficult to live with. It's just like being undiagnosed and like having certain ways traits. that are traits that are like outside the quote unquote norm. If you're dating mm -hmm. someone that's neurotypical and you guys just aren't going <laughs> to, it's going to be hard if you're undiagnosed to like vibe together and for you guys to understand each other because well. yeah, because it's just, it's or very not even like understand brains. each other, but like maybe like have the tools to understand each other. Yeah. You know, have those answers in your back pocket kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. Not I wonder that, like, like, we're not saying that a neurodivergent and a non neurodivergent person like can't work together as a couple. Like it's just having that diagnosis and having those tools to yeah. be in that relationship, know yourself well enough to, have those answers yeah. for that relationship to work like you know and I wonder like if I had known then would it have made things Different. a little easier with those people because yeah. it could have been like oh well here's what I'm working with like here's what I'm bringing to the table mm -hmm. like and they could be like oh okay that's especially why like you do from this the get-go because yeah. I feel like when you get in a new relationship too a like if you know this about yourself, like you're trying to hide certain things, certain traits, certain characteristics, like, and just like being able to be like, okay, this is like who I am. And you're trying to be like who the other person kind of wants you to be. It's like that like honeymoon phase when mm -hmm. you guys are going out all the time and mm -hmm. you, all that it's stuff. It's the chemicals. You got to wait. Yeah, like, it's yeah. the chemicals, like Megan said. You got to wait like a good year before you really get to know who a person is sometimes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's funny because this is sort of like off topic. We're going on a tangent now, but like from this question, but um, the people who are listening are used to that. Um, <laughs> so you talked about like how since I got my diagnosis, things have been like a little bit different. And that's because mm -hmm. of like realizing that you have been trying to be a certain way for mm -hmm. so long and masking is what it's called like masking these traits and these ways that you are and I've noticed that about you too of maybe maybe it's just you being more accepting now of these things about yourself because now you know what it is like you yeah. said and you can just be like oh like oh that's just my ADHD instead of trying instead to of being hide, like why am I like this and going through a existential crisis about it every time it happens you're just like ugh it's this like yeah this is it's literally chemicals in my brain that I can't do anything about kind of thing or chemicals not in my brain and chemicals not in your brain yeah. <laughs> um yeah because a lot of autistic people and ADHD people alike mask and try and hide their difficulties from others and even from themselves sometimes where it's mm -hmm. just like I'm just trying to be, no, no, nothing went wrong. Everything was fine. Like, mm -hmm. even if something went wrong, you got to be like, no, I got to like cover this thing up. I can't let anyone know about this thing. I yeah. can't like, like this is embarrassing or whatever. I feel like a big thing too that has, that I, I haven't been this way that I'm going to talk about. I haven't been this way in past relationships, but like you and I, can literally like go to separate rooms for hours and not be like weird about it yeah I mean sometimes you're like baby are you coming to bed kind of thing but like <laughs> but like it's not weird for us to spend like a lot of 
time apart in our own spaces doing Mm -hmm. our own thing and I feel like definitely in past relationships I have never really had that other than like okay I'm going to work and then I'm coming home kind of thing like okay that's my time away but you're still around people and doing things yeah that's definitely been a thing in our relationship that I feel like has made it better and easier and like it works it just works better yeah you know like I I definitely need that time alone to just do whatever I'm gonna do kind of decompress and have my own time and you're the same way so that's definitely one thing specifically that has worked better in our relationship than any relationship I've ever had before yeah we both very much enjoy our alone time Mm. we need it we enjoy having our own personal space and our own time, like, just away from everyone, including each other, which, yeah, that's definitely a thing that I haven't really had in past relationships either, and I've always been made to feel, like, guilty or bad about mm-hmm. wanting or needing that, and, um, yeah, it's good to, to be with someone that we can be like, all right, bye, and we're still in the same house, but yeah, just, like... I've been in short-term relationships in the past, and this is probably a big reason why. But I've literally, you know, you're spending so much time with this person and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to go sleep in my own bed at my own apartment or my own, you know, wherever I'm living at the time. And I've literally so many times, two or three times, I've gotten accused of like cheating because of that time I just need Mm -hmm. alone. And it's like, (laughs) I've literally had people call me in the middle of the night as I'm sleeping, like accusing me of cheating. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm I just literally asleep. You woke me up by yeah. calling me. Can I just sleep, please? Yeah. Um, yeah, so just, like, stuff like that as now having a diagnosis and being like, this is just who I am yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Does everyone maybe think that Gray has autism? <laughs> <laughs> These are some of the traits where I'm like, wait, is that an yeah, ADHD I'd, I'd thing? I'd like to, I mean, you've pointed out to me. There are certain like, things. as things are happening kind of thing. But you, we've never really, like, sat down and you've been, like, listed off all the things that you think. I know that one of the big things is, like, my introvertness. Yeah, it's not even introvertness. It's it's a different... <laughs> it's You're very much... Uh, I don't want to say antisocial. That has a negative connotation. But you're just like, you don't enjoy... (laughs) Not to me. You don't enjoy being around people a lot. I I dated this girl who was... um, She was very, like, spiritual and into, like, crystals and stuff like that. Which is cool. Whatever. Um, And she called me, like, a healer. And I think... I don't know if that's true or whatever. But, like, healers take on a lot of like other people's stuff they're very like empathetic and Mm -hmm. and but I think that's maybe just like a undiagnosed autism trait like I wouldn't be surprised if I got diagnosed autism it's just like you take on a lot of stuff and you just need time alone to decompress and yeah I wouldn't be surprised if you if you got diagnosed either you you know there are a lot of things that I've seen that I'm like think that's ADHD I mean even though there's a lot of parallels and a lot of crossovers between some of these traits but um if you do I definitely think you're like if we're looking at it on a scale like a balanced scale your ADHD is more prominent it's like the prominent piece that is more Mm -hmm. obvious in you and then I think I'm kind of the opposite 
Um, whereas sometimes I'm like, do I even have ADHD? Like I sometimes doubt that diagnosis, but then I'll do something and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's so crazy too, because I know just, you know, leeching off of you and your research about <laughs> ADHD and autism, it's like we've discovered a lot of things together, but it's like both of these things, both of these diagnoses have such a wide like spectrum of what are possible traits that you mm -hmm. may have yeah and like you said a lot of them are crossover like a lot of them are run parallel to each other but like just because someone who is autistic has a certain trait doesn't mean another person who is autistic will have that same trait yeah you know exactly. so it's like I feel like as more research is done in the medical field about both ADHD and autism, it's like they're discovering so many different things that can present in people mm -hmm. that have these diagnoses. And it's like, I mean, there's probably, they're probably not even, you know, they're going to have different things that pop up too, just like, you know, Asperger's was a thing for a long time and they just did away with that. And it's like just the spectrum of autism kind of thing. Like, yeah. There might be um another diagnosis that pops up in the next 10 15 years mm -hmm. that you know won't be autism won't be ADHD and it's yeah. just like I tend to think this is a whole other podcast episode so I'll just say real quick <laughs> I tend to think that autism and ADHD are like two sides of the same coin right. I feel like they're a lot more intertwined than people think or they might even be the same thing just with different presentations but I don't know I'm not a doctor or a psychologist uh you know so take what I say with a grain of salt <laughs> disclaimer 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 okay next question yeah we tangent a lot but it's fine I'm sure no one cares um <laughs> best piece of advice oh, that's just my autism yeah oh that's just my autism <laughs> best piece of advice slash support for holistic partners of autistic individuals well okay uh that's a hard one because holistic is like neurotypical like not autistic i guess um but that's might be a hard one to answer because as Wait, we just can you read it again <laughs> best piece of, that was your that's oh that's my adhd <laughs> Uh, best piece of advice slash support for holistic partners of autistic individuals so like I don't know if we can answer that because yeah as I we mean, just stated like we're not really sure about I think patience like what I said earlier about learning to develop more patience and even like doing not necessarily the research about autism but just get to know your partner more yeah. and like ask them ask like literally go to the source ask them what they need from you you know like I feel like that's a big thing but I think the biggest thing is patience yeah you know and just learning how your partner operates yeah and I think I mean patience can be a tricky word because it's sort of implies that maybe the other person is like a lot and like oh my gosh I need so much patience with well, you and we don't want anyone to think that maybe that's not what they're saying. yeah maybe not patience but not having expectations of your partner I think is a big thing like obviously you have expectations of your partner but in certain ways right yeah like I don't expect you just like how when we argue we have two different very sides very 
different sides of the spectrum as far as communication. It's like, I can't expect you to react to something the way that I would or vice versa. It's kind of the same thing. Like a person who's neurodivergent is probably going to react a lot different to certain aspects of everyday life than a neurotypical person is. So it's like patience in that way and not having, not placing expectations on a neurodivergent person that you have of yourself I feel like kind of thing like patience in that way yeah and I think also um it goes patience goes both ways because from an autistic person's point of view a neuro a neurotypical person or an holistic person can be (laughs) hard to deal with sometimes too like Mm -hmm. you just it's operating on two different channels and so yeah I think patience and understanding and uh if you can afford it I, couples therapy like I said it's like mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes a third party person to facilitate conversations can be really helpful so yeah um okay next question uh wait can oh, I add to that yeah yeah I already said it but I just think the biggest thing is like going to the source like ask your partner what they need yeah if you're having a hard time giving them what they need yeah, and maybe thing. try and do that not in the heat of a moment, though. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Because maybe that's not the best time. But if there's a time when you're just, like, hanging out and be like, hey, like, let's talk. I want to know, like, more about what you need from me, how mm-hmm. I can be a, know, better partner a better to partner you. to you. And, and then it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, a two-way street, of course. Um, everyone needs that in relationships and in a partner. And I don't think, or I think some people, like, don't really talk about that kind of stuff. They just mm-hmm. make assumptions and try without ever really asking or talking in depth about what they particularly need or asking their partner, right. what do you particularly need or want from me? Or Yeah, me. and I think just with, you know, past traumas and stuff like that, trust is a hard thing. Mm-hmm. To have and it's just like trusting that your partner has your best you know what's the word I'm looking for your best interest yeah your best interest in mind you know and at heart so and maybe they don't also that and if they don't then that's a whole other conversation right (laughs) uh, if you're if you're certain that your partner does and that's a thing that I do with you a lot when we are in a moment of conflict is I remind myself that you are a good partner to me. Like you're nothing that's coming from you in that moment is purposely to upset me or hurt me. And I think you feel that way too. It's like, what are the intentions of the person you're with? If their intentions are not bad or malicious. Right. And even if it's something I say or something that you say that is hurtful in the moment, that's probably coming from, like realizing that that's probably coming from your partner's past as well yeah. like and it's a prote- like it's a protection mechanism yeah you know to which i don't feel like we do like no. a ton of that we no. we're big i feel like we're both big proponents of not like we don't name call we don't no. i don't think we've ever had an argument where we've really like said anything hurtful in that way but sometimes in an argument you no. can 
say something in a way that might be like, oh shit, like, ooh, <laughs> like, that was, I didn't I feel like we name call that. for fun more in our regular life than in arguments. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, next question. Um, wow, this is a popular question. Yeah, this is the same. We already answered this. Is it easier being in a relationship with someone else who is neurodivergent or harder? You already answered that. Okay, so we got cut off because uh, we, we went. Too much. We talked too much. <laughs> we went over an hour. I've never recorded over an hour on this podcast, so I didn't know there was a cutoff time of an hour. So we had um, a question about religion that we actually talked a bunch about, and none of it recorded because we got cut off. But then we just decided that um, we do have a lot to say about that. I'll read the question real quick. Um, it says, uh, y'all should talk about religion and autism like in general. So Gray and I both have, Gray's stomach keeps growling or making noises, loud noises. <laughs> it's fine. And I just kick the wall. Um, so I think Gray is going to come back on and we're going to talk about religion and autism and neurodivergence and all of that and how it might relate. This works out better because I kind of want to do a poll on Instagram and see um, what you guys out there are thinking on um, religion, those of you who are autistic also. Um, okay, so we'll skip that one for now. Thank you, person, for writing that. We're going to do a whole episode on that one. Um, two more questions. I've noticed I sometimes have a lot of trouble noticing when I'm sick. Is it an autism thing? especially fevers, I never notice or suspect I'm running a fever. So yes, that can be an autism thing. Um, there is a thing called interoception that is basically like your, when you pick up on your body's signals, um, like if you have to use the bathroom, you get a signal where you're like, you feel that sensation, or if you're hungry, you feel that sensation, or if you're thirsty. Um, and autistic people often have a, um, a problem with interoception, like noticing certain body cues like that. So that could be part of that type of thing. If you are autistic or suspecting you're autistic, um, it could definitely be something that happens to you. I would, um, I'd be curious to know if you also have trouble sensing those other things I just listed off as well. Um, but I would say I'm the other way. Yeah, I'm also the opposite. Where I'm a lot more sensitive to hunger cues and other body cues than maybe the typical person. But mm -hmm. I feel like that's autism is like you either have a very very little of something or a very very lot of something. it's like extremes can that be part of um things like if your body doesn't jive well with like a certain food is that like kind of the same thing um you mean like like sensing that mm. um maybe like yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Why? Do you have that? No, you do. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, I'm sensitive to a lot of things, and I can always tell. I mean, this is one of the reasons um, I don't really like taking medication. Mm, that too. Because I 
really can feel the effect. I always get side effects from medications. Like I always feel really, if something's gonna happen or make you feel funny, um, medication wise, it's gonna happen to me. Or like, like caffeine. Caffeine, I can't do caffeine. I can't, I don't like drinking alcohol, same reason. I feel like you, you're really able to like pinpoint certain things. Yeah. Like that. I'm super like, sensitive. Like I know when I'm sick. Like, I have body cues that tell me if I'm sick or obviously, like, if I need to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I'm not able to pick up on stuff like that. Yeah, I'm super, super sensitive to any slight change. Like, I can't even take cold medicine, like, nothing. Ibuprofen you even have a hard time with sometimes. Pain pills, anything. I'm just like, nope, can't do it. Um, I'll take, like, four and you're like, "Mm, I'm going to take the recommended dose. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, like... (laughs) It's, it's hard because sometimes you need medicine, but I just, my body, I feel worse with the medicine sometimes. Even like, when you had COVID. Oh, no, I didn't take anything. I took oh, Tylenol God. and ibuprofen. That was it. And you were, like, gulping down the the cold Day medicine. Dayquil, NyQuil. Yeah, I can't. That, that, stuff like, yeah. makes me, that stuff makes me feel nasty. I can't. It just, I feel off, like, not like myself. I can't. Yeah, I feel it. like that has a bad side effect, too, though, because... All like, especially with like Dayquil and Nyquil, because then I'll sleep really well, and then I'll get up and I'll feel really well, but then I just like overdo it, and uh-huh. I, t- I like. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, wait, I'm still sick. That yeah. was just the medicine. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, person, yeah, that can be a thing. Um, I know a lot of people. I mean, I think that I'm not a doctor. I think that could probably be a thing that's related to autism, just because knowing what I know about certain people having trouble sensing other cues from their body about other things also not a doctor disclaimer another disclaimer (laughs) (laughs) um okay there's one more question let me find it this one came in my inbox because um this person said that it wouldn't fit in the little question box thing okay um this person said i talked to my parents and told them that i might be on the spectrum I asked them if I showed any signs at an early age, and they said yes, but they never got me tested because they didn't want to label me. What are your thoughts on that? Ooh, I have so many thoughts on that. I think that... How old is this person? Do you know? Um, I do know this person, and she is still pretty young. I think 19 or 20. Okay. Well, I feel like the label thing, especially for our parents generation and maybe even this next generation of parents the younger generation of parents like uh, autism asperger's adhd has such like a negative connotation and like like i can see how that's a thing and a fear of parents but Mm -hmm. at the same time knowing what i know about myself now and you knowing what you know about yourself now like we wish that we would have had this information about ourselves from a young age. So it's like hard, it's hard to like tell anybody that they're wrong about feeling that way as parents. But at the same time, how beneficial would it have been to have that information Mm -hmm. and have that diagnosis from a young age, not only for that specific person, but for their parents and for their family members Uh, yeah so I'm kind of I have a mixed review on this question I guess 
Yeah, it's funny because I actually had a conversation about this exact thing with a friend of mine um, right after I like came out on social media as autistic on my personal page and he um, messaged me and we were just like chatting about it a little bit and uh, he got a ADHD diagnosis as a kid. He's in his early to mid 20s now. So he's a little bit younger than me, but he got an ADHD diagnosis as a kid. And he said, he was asking me how I felt about having the diagnosis and how I felt about like not getting it earlier. Um, because he said that he wishes he wouldn't have had that diagnosis growing up because he felt like teachers and others did treat him differently. Um, and it made him think differently about himself. And I was like, wow, I never looked at it from that perspective because my perspective as someone who wasn't diagnosed when they were young, I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have been, but then for him being like, no, but here's the reasons why I'm glad I wasn't, or I, I wish I wasn't. And I'm like, huh, would yeah. I feel that way if I had been diagnosed younger? Yeah, I feel like definitely being a young child elementary junior high school maybe even high school like there definitely could have been some negative connotations to that but like especially now being on medication for ADHD like I wish I would have been able to have that like I don't want to call it like a crutch but like it is a crutch that you that is very useful like you it's either, a tool. We'll say it's well, a... I mean, you're either hobbling around not knowing this thing about yourself or you're able to have, yeah, this tool to walk normally through life kind yeah. of thing, you know, the, the metaphor. But I can see, <laughs> I can see how that would be, mm -hmm. like, not being the quote-unquote, like, normal kid you know yeah and having people tell you things about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have thought well otherwise. especially as a child like you don't like how your brain is not developed enough to really under like you still have these feelings obviously yeah. but like to be able to like sit and evaluate and formulate you don't know how to like self-assess right yeah yeah <laughs> so like I can see how that would be yeah you know growing up as a kid like you're told by the world who you are yeah like in general not even like considering diagnoses or anything like that just like and I can see how that would yeah be a shitty thing but here's the thing like my my standpoint on this is I think diagnosis is really important because I think knowing who you are is really important and knowing how to get through life more easily is important um I don't think the diagnosis is the problem. I think our reactions to the diagnosis uh, or the, or is what the, the understanding is, of it. Or the understanding. Yeah. So it's like the diagnosis is the issue. It's society at large and our views of these people who have these things. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I feel like ADHD does have a stigma. Autism definitely has a bigger stigma mm -hmm. because we've been shown a very very narrow view of autism especially our parents generations mm -hmm. and and everything just thinking like oh you couldn't be autistic like it, they think back to like rain man or like these very um exaggerated mm -hmm. white male views of autism um 
but the whole which do exist obviously which obviously it's i mean not yeah, saying they don't but that's a yeah. very narrow field uh-huh. of what the diagnosis actually consists of or what the spectrum consists of yeah. and even adhd consists of like yeah yeah um but i would say yeah i mean ha- having a label <sighs> labels are are tough in general like not even just relating to neurodivergence but labels are can be tough i i personally love a label but maybe that's because (laughs) that's that's my (laughs) that's my autism like i want to put everything in a nice little um container and be like this Mm -hmm. is what this is and this is what this is and this is who this person is it helps at least for yourself well maybe for others too because it helps me understand other people Mm. when i can label them as a thing and it's not label in a negative way it's just like it's like this person is this and And i I feel like like that's like an enneagram five kind of thing like you like to know things you like to understand every detail about everything which is understandable why you would like labels yeah yeah i do (laughs) even about people yeah yeah i like a label i love it i'm like give me all give whatever applies and let's do you and let's like get the label maker out and like or make t-shirts something (laughs) like can everyone just wear around what they are um but yeah for for this person who wrote in in particular i think um uh the fact that you're suspecting and your family has confirmed that yes they also suspected or saw um, signs of that um, is a big indicator that you know if you want to seek a diagnosis now um, you know or you feel like you want that official label um, that's something that you should do and or if you're comfortable just self-diagnosing if you or if you don't feel like you need the label at all you just want the knowledge that this might be a thing for you you know everybody's journey is a little bit different when it comes to this thing um i have a very close friend who uh has been told by her uh psychologist that she thinks that she's autistic um i think she's autistic a few other people in her life has pointed out that they think she's autistic and she is like you know i might be when i really look at it i probably am but she feels no desire to get a diagnosis because she's just like i just don't feel like i need it like i'm i've made it this far without that and i feel like i don't need it at this point Mm -hmm. and that's totally fine not everyone's on the same page and i'm like well i don't know i need the label I wanted the label. I wanted someone to confirm I think my a lot of that was suspicions. the doubt. For me? Right. Because um, well, you were, like, every couple of days when you were, like, waiting uh-huh. to get your diagnosis, it was like, what if I'm not? What yeah. if I, what if, like, <laughs> what if all of this stuff that I'm going through or things that I feel is just me? there's no diagnosis I feel like that was a fear of yours Mm -hmm. that you were just like there was no reason for any of the stuff in your life that you were going through I feel like that was a big thing yeah exactly and so for me seeing a professional who specialized and knew what they were talking about and getting that confirmation because if I wouldn't have I would have just been on this cyclical self-doubt like Mm -hmm. horrible existence forever like it just it was very 
Like I needed a concrete, I needed an assessment, I needed a diagnosis, yeah. I needed a label. There's a lot of things like... in your life that are like, why am I like this kind of thing? Yeah. Not, you know, again, send some people are just like, I'm just like this, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I need to know the why. I want to know the backstory. <laughs> I want to figure out the details. I want to try all and... the research. Yeah. Like that's just how my brain works. But some people like my friend is just like, well, whatever, like if I am, I am. And that's yeah. cool. And... and there's another friend of yours that was recently diagnosed mm-hmm. who was also diagnosed with a lot of false diagnoses by she was a lot and I'm gonna have her on the podcast I keep saying we've just been having a hard time getting together but she wants to come on and tell about her story because she kind of went through it with trying to even get a diagnosis but she really really wanted that yeah confirmation too just like I did yeah she's definitely you guys are very much alike Mm -hmm. um and as far as whoever this person is writing in like I don't know if there's any kind of like resentment feelings towards your parents or anything like that which I talked about earlier like, there definitely has been on my part, like, but a lot of that also comes from other places, but it's just, like, having an advocate, and sometimes you have to advocate for yourself, especially in the medical system, especially as, you know, um, someone who was diagnosed, or not diagnosed, <laughs> assigned female at birth, I don't know okay. if you are, um, but, and later in life, trying to seek out these diagnoses you know it can be there can be a lot of resentment towards the medical system towards family members towards you know and I just you know if you're if your parents are not allowing you or wanting you to seek out this diagnosis maybe just sit down and have a conversation with them yeah I don't know if that's the case I don't know either yeah there was nothing about that you know that can um, be a hard thing that can be a hard thing that a lot of people do go through. So that's not an anomaly if you're going through that. I think a lot of people's parents are uh, hesitant to mm-hmm. uh, label label or admit or even out of guilt maybe be like, oh, mm-hmm. did we miss this or did we maybe do the wrong thing by not pursuing I know you went through some of that with Annika. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I have so much guilt. Really. Danica's Most younger, of... <laughs> obviously. Like, we kind of... And I, it was funny because I actually was the one who first stepped in and was like, do we need to seek out, like, an, an autistic diagnosis, an autism diagnosis? Cause, and it was actually my friend. I remember... Um, I forget her name now. But not my friend, but my acquaintance at the gym who worked for an, autis- mm. an autism yeah. center. And... I, you know, it's kind of those questions started to arise in my brain. Like maybe this does have some correlation to her behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I know that you felt for a long time, maybe still do feel some kind of guilt towards. Yeah. I mean, how that was handled earlier on in Danica's life. I definitely want to do an episode. I I always feel weird talking about her on the podcast because I'm like ooh she's like a kid and I like don't want to speak for her and her experience but my perspective as her parent was I knew there was something going on and I tried and tried and tried and tried for so long to um, get help or get not even help but get someone to notice that what I was trying to <laughs> I was like something Facilitate. yeah something's happening like what and I got brushed off and brushed off and brushed off. Well, um, like you said earlier, too, masking. Like So it wasn't for lack of trying. Yeah, and... I and feel like Danica was able to mask. 
Well, even at a young age. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. with you, she, there was a certain type of behavior. Like when she felt safe mm-hmm. in her own home mm-hmm. with her parents. Yep. The behaviors were much different than what they were when she was at school oh, or at, school. at other yeah. people's houses. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no one ever saw the things that I saw, and yeah. that made it difficult too. And I mean, that's a whole other topic too. But like, yeah, there uh, being a parent is a hard perspective. There's no book. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) yeah, gosh, man, like, I look at my parents, and then I look at myself as a parent, and I'm just like, we're all just kind of like, sometimes messing up, sometimes getting things right, most of the time just trying to do the best we can, hopefully, if you're lucky to have parents who are trying to do the best they can. I know some people have shitty parents that really were never trying that much, Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah, that was my point, just don't try not to if that's an issue that you're having with your parents like yeah. try not to be resentful towards them like yeah. they're doing the best they can <laughs> yeah maybe maybe <laughs> hopefully hopefully um okay so yeah that was a good that was a long episode sorry no i i figured that it would be because you know there's a lot to talk about but uh i always have a good way of like ending everything awkwardly so here we go into that because I don't know how to end a podcast ever without being totally awkward um but I do need to say if you want to reach out um shoot me an email or message me on Instagram uh I'll put all that info slide into I don't like that saying it makes (laughs) me feel gross um I don't want anything sliding into anything of mine thanks um, but you can you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'll put all that contact info in the show notes. And if you want to hang out with me and some other cool autistic people outside of the podcast, you can join the Patreon. We watched a really weird movie. We watched a really weird mo- No, it wasn't weird. It was well, it was kind of weird. Yeah, we had our first <laughs> movie night um and we watched The Kindergarten Teacher with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Hot. Um and great things she's all hot. over the place in there there was a lot of boobs and <laughs> stuff but i mean that was fine i don't know if you've seen the secretary but about <laughs> the same amount of boobs okay <laughs> but uh it was fun no the movie was it was good but it was strange um weird and it was um it was sad it was really but it was a good movie. I would recommend. I would say if you like a if you like a Sundancey vibe to your mm-hmm. to your films, I would say that, sure. that that's a good one. The kindergarten teacher. But anyway, so we're doing fun things. We're having a Discord where we have little conversations, and you can just go post and and be with other um, lovely neurodivergent people. And uh, sometimes we're gonna do movie nights and other fun activities. So yeah, Patreon. I'll put that in the show notes too. And I think that's all. Unless you have something else you want to add. Anything else to say, Gray? No. Um, we gotta t- go clean. Yeah, we have to go clean. We have a person coming to look at our house because we are selling our house. And it's always fun to have a stranger go walk through your home. If you want to buy our house, we'll put the link in the show notes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to move into our house, please? Um, yeah. You talked a lot. Look at you. You talked like as much as I did I think yeah we got you going now now they're done not another word from Gray three hours alone yeah now we both need to go spend a few if I get on a topic that I'm interested in I will talk about it yes 
True. Well, I'm glad we interested you. Oh, good. Oh, good. All right, guys. Our relationship is something I'm interested in. So. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Me too. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, that's enough. Um, I almost said goodbye. I love you. I did that once before on the podcast too. <laughs> Bye. I love you guys. <laughs> I really do, but that's an awkward thing to say. Okay. We're going to end it now. Bye. Bye.